The following is a hoop ball presentation. Yo, 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 welcome to another edition of Round Ball Ramble. I'm your host, Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. This is a hoop ball presentation, so make sure to check out Hoop Ball on Twitter at Hoop Ball Tweets, online hoop ball.com. Uh, time y'all hear this, this will be a lovely Monday, the 23rd of August, where we should be getting the trailer release for Spider Man No Way Home. I'm only just a little bit excited about that, but even more excited than I am about that is talking Lakers with my friend Ron, Ron Gutterman. Uh, he's staff writer for Lakers Nation, good buddy of mine, fellow SBC alum. Yes, again, we are getting all the all the classics in from that. That was an amazing experience. I'm happy to have him on. He knows Lakers better than most, man. I'm happy to just be able to talk all about it with him. So, uh, Ron, how's it going, man? Doing great, yeah. Thanks for having me on, Corbin. And, yeah, SBC, man, it's crazy week, and it's been a crazy week since. So, yeah, just getting back into the swing of it and getting back into the the Lakers mindset rather than that whole NBA mindset. 100%. You said it. Yeah, we're trying to get that focus back in. Uh, by the way, check out Ron Gutterman on Twitter at Ron Gutterman 24 R-O-N-G-U-T-T-E-R-M-A-N-24. Uh, definitely worth a follow. I'm telling you, the guy knows his Lakers stuff, man. But yeah, coming back from that, it's, it's kind of weird uh, in, in the sense that we have now you know, a little bit of a break, uh, a little month and a half, I want to say, before we really got to dig in. But for folks like us, I don't think we ever really stopped talking basketball. Yeah, no, we, we definitely look the NBA season is year round, even though it's uh, it's you know, we have our little gap right now with uh, with the offseason going on. But yeah, it's it's really exciting to, uh, you know, start thinking about it. The schedule got released. So I'm just I'm excited to have basketball in our lives. And uh, Lakers basketball this year is going to be very entertaining, regardless of result. Oh, 100%, man. I am definitely excited about that. We're getting basically the third different iteration of the Lakers in as many years since LeBron's been in. Um, you know, the way he first came in, where the Lakers front office had the bright idea of surrounding him with uh, multiple ball handlers, uh, despite having one of the greatest to ever do it on the squad. Then you have them kind of rework the roster, and you have, um, you know, uh, some more like a traditional, like, 3 and D guys, leaving LeBron as, like, the primary playmaker with some... Um, physical physicality, some defense, a focus on that end, um, bigs who can definitely finish around the rim and, and, and deter shots. And then you went from that after winning a championship with that team and kind of revamped it again, uh, becoming more of an offensive-focused team, uh, a little more cerebral at the center spot of Marc Gasol, but of course adding Montres Harrell and Dennis Schroeder as well. Um, I think a lot went into that year, injuries as well, but that year ultimately was kind of disjointed. And then ended with that first round flameout. But like, that's my own personal recap. What, what what was your recap just from free agency of last year through the, the you know game six of the first round for your uh, recap of the season that was for the Lakers? Yeah, I mean, look, it, hindsight's twenty twenty, and so you look back <laughs> and you say like, yeah, maybe they shouldn't have gotten Dennis Schroeder and Montrez Harrell. Maybe those were the wrong moves. But at the time, they they needed to get younger. They were coming off a championship and the shortest off season in history, and and they. They needed to get younger, and I thought they did a really good job of that at the time. Dennis Schroeder, obviously not a good fit with LeBron James the way we thought he might be. Montrez Harrell, he continued to have those issues where when the games mattered most, he couldn't really stay on the floor defensively. So it, it, it didn't end up working out the way anyone expected, and I think that's why the team made such a bold leap this offseason. So it, it, it's tough. I, I wish the Lakers would have gotten farther. I wish injuries didn't hamper them so much. 
but it it moved them towards a completely different team that I'm excited about. Definitely, definitely. I guess that's that that's kind of where we got to start. This the off season where they kind of went. They started in a major way on draft night with that deal for Russell Westbrook. So I have to ask you. Um, and I know you've probably talked and written about this before, but what have been your or what were your thoughts rather on this deal? Yeah, my initial reaction. So it's actually it's funny. We uh, we at Lakers Nation we were filming a video for a Buddy Heald trade, assuming that that was going to happen. We were <laughs> yep. filming a video, getting it ready, and then all of a sudden the news drops that the Lakers are abandoning that deal and and moving towards a Russell Westbrook trade. And I, the the initial reaction was was a bit a bit of shock, a bit of surprise, a bit of just like why why do this instead of Buddy Heald? Uh-huh. And and I think. Throughout the course of the next couple of weeks, I started to really, you know, grow on the idea of a Russell Westbrook homecoming, the idea that he can kind of be the perfect guy to take the load off LeBron James during the regular season and then sort of relinquish it back to him in the playoffs. But, yeah, I mean, the initial reaction was just how did this even happen? Why did they do this? Yeah, I'm right there with you. I and I guess that leads to my next question about the proposed Buddy Hill trade because for me, I mean, from what we know, the framework of that deal it would have been um, Montrezl Harrell, Kyle Kuzma, um, and a first round pick of the first round pick the Lakers had this year to uh, Sacramento for Buddy Hill, and then instead they went, you know, went for the other deal where you lose Harrell, you lose Kuzma, you also lose KCP, and you lose that pick for Russell Westbrook, and I think it was like a second round pick that came back as well. But like in my mind. I love Russell Westbrook. I'm like one of the biggest Russell Westbrook fans there are. But with the way the Lakers have their roster set up, I figured, no, it's simple. We need more shooting. And if you're able to make a move where you get a a much better three-point shooter, at least historically, you know, in uh, Buddy Heald, and you're still able to keep a key 3 and D guy in Contavious Caldwell Pope, all you're losing is Harold and Kuzma. And mind you, I actually like both players in L.A. Uh, Kuzma just could have been, you know, one of the last pieces, well, really the last piece of that young group that looked so promising before LeBron came. And then how, just because I actually kind of like the style, knowing defensively didn't fit, knowing there was some friction in terms of his role and everything. But if that return is that little, as well as a first round pick that, you know, on, on what was going to be a veteran team for LeBron anyway, probably wouldn't have gotten a whole lot of run. I was okay getting Buddy healed in. Uh, Russell Westbrook is definitely more talented than healed. And so I'm okay with that. But, I mean, you have to have the team built a certain type of way. You have to, you know, um, account for his his, his significant flaws um, on the court. And I, I think that it, the, the boom-bust potential is a lot more with Westbrook than with Heald. Would you kind of agree there? Yeah, look, the Heald deal was obviously safer. And, and I think for a while my, my thoughts were, you know, get Heald, you keep KCP, or you use KCP in a different deal. Um, And you sort of round out the roster. You know, you bring back Dennis Schroeder, even though he wasn't great. You bring back Dennis Schroeder and you sort of run a a team that's a lot more deep and has a lot more, you know, varying skill sets and more tradable contracts down the line if you need it. I I think that was the initial reaction. I think what changed for me over time is I started to realize Russell Westbrook is a better player than Buddy Heald by by a long shot. Right. Like we're not we're not talking about two guys who are sort of similar talent, but different skill sets. We're talking about two different tiers of players altogether. And so the way I thought about it was if all you're paying to move up from Buddy Heald to Russell Westbrook is KCP, Mm -hmm. I think that's like a worthwhile transaction to make. You're losing Kuzma, Harrell, and the 22nd pick anyway. All you're paying is KCP to go from a Buddy Heald player to a Russell Westbrook player. And, And to me, like, 
getting a guy that's a nine-time All-NBA, an MVP, like even if the fit is awkward, get the talent on the court and see what happens. I like that. And, you know, that's a great way of looking at it I did not think about. Like, you're right. The chance, okay, one additional player, you're already going to lose the same two folks. Upgrade, you know, immensely, potentially, with just one additional piece. Yeah, that's a great way of, of, of looking at that, which I'm glad you brought to the table because I had not thought about that. Um, But I, I like it. I think that I, I like it now with the way the Lakers have filled out around Westbrook. And I think that kind of leads us to everything that the Lakers did. <laughs> I mean, the the rundown of all the new players the Lakers have at their disposal now, it's kind of crazy to think about with the who's who of who were former Lakers and, like, rumored Lakers for years and, you know, uh, young, intriguing prospects. I mean, let, like, let's just run down all the new guys. So uh, you have Trevor Ariza, you have Dwight Howard both returning um, for another tour of duty. This is uh, – Ariza's second is actually Dwight Howard's third, as you, as most people know. Um, you also bring in Kent Bazemore, Wayne Ellington, Trevor, I mean, I already said Trevor Ariza, Carmelo Anthony, um, Malik Monk, Kendrick Nunn. You retain Taylor Horton Tucker. Uh, it, it, this is a whole new squad entirely around your core of LeBron, AD, and Westbrook. And then you also have Austin Reeves and, and um, Joel Ayayi as well on two ways. So what do you think about just the, the sheer number of moves that were made. I mean, this is a whole, basically, what, aside from Gasol, LeBron, and, and AD, a whole new squad. Uh, well, I got to say Taylor Tucker, too. <laughs> yeah, and it's actually, it's really funny. I mean, we we talked about this at Lakers Nation a bunch, that LeBron James, he came to the Lakers in the summer of 2018, and in just three years, he completely redid all 14 other players on the roster. There's not a single player. LeBron is the longest-tenured Laker now. And that's, it's a crazy thought because he's, you know, he hasn't, uh, you know, he did the, the one plus one deals in Cleveland all those years. He was not the type of guy he wanted. He did not want that long-term security. He wanted flexibility. And for him to become the longest tenured player on the team shows kind of like, he just likes being here and he wants to be a part of this franchise. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's crazy. But speaking (laughs) on this, speaking on this roster specifically, it's, it's so weird because, you know, age is such a concern, you know, coming off a year where you were so plagued by injuries to go out and get a team that's a lot of people that are 33 plus. Um, it, it's an interesting strategy, but in terms of talent and in terms of like what these players do, I think it fits perfectly. I really do. I think Kent Bazemore is is the right guy for this. I think Trevor Reza, Carmelo Anthony, Malik Monk, Wayne Ellington, these are all guys that bring exactly what you would assume they need when your starting three is LeBron, A.D., Westbrook. Yeah, no, I think you're right. You have, for one, and I have to ask you, correct me if I'm wrong, do you think that this might be the the most shooting LeBron's had around him, I guess, just by numbers since he's been in L.A.? Yeah, since he's been in L.A. for sure. Look, there, there are four people on this team who shot better than 40% from three last season. Uh, Kent Bazemore, Carmelo Anthony, Malik Monk, and I believe Wayne Ellington. So the four of them all shot better than 40% last year from three. That It's definitely his best shooting team in L.A. I think uh, I think his Cleveland teams in 20, I think 2016 Cleveland team mm-hmm. had more shooting. But other than that, th- this is one of his better shooting teams if it's sustainable. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I was going to say, a 2016, 2017 Cleveland team, man, they had 
they had shooting in a lot of positions. That was really kind of neat as far as an offensive firepower squad that wasn't even really concerned with defense, um, which I, I guess kind of leads me to my next question on this Lakers team because you look at them and whether they're, you know, let's just say veteran um, players who <laughs> maybe had more of a defensive profile in their younger years or young guys who have yet to adopt that defensive principle outside of, like, just saying that they are going to be defenders. You're looking at these guys, and, I mean, Ellington, you know, Nunn, Monk, uh, Westbrook, not exactly known as defenders. I think Westbrook, Ariza, and Bazemore are more that they can be, um, just whether age has taken away some of that, or in Westbrook, uh, in Westbrook's case, maybe more engagement on that end. Uh, he just somehow always seems to kind of have some, for all of his defensive potential gifts, kind of has, like, a lackadaisical kind of, attitude around that other side of the ball in terms of um, inattentiveness and like loss of focus. But with these other guys, who do you think is that guy to step up and be a defender that doesn't put a whole lot of pressure on AD on that backside? Yeah. I mean, look, it's going to be up to AD and Dwight to do a a lot of work, a lot of work (laughs) over there. So I, either way, but I do think um, there are guys that have defensive tools, Kent Bazemore, Trevor Ariza. These are guys that play really solid defense and, and can be those kind of, perimeter guys I think Russell Westbrook is going to be better this year just because I think he'll be more engaged because he won't have to do quite as much offensively as he's had to do the past five six years um so I think he'll be a little more engaged defensively also I think they're gonna they're gonna need natural development from Taylor Horton Tucker Malik Monk and Kendrick Nunn Look, none of these guys are like lockdown defenders, but they're all really young and can learn it if in if they're in the right system, right? So Frank Vogel's got his work cut out for him for sure, but I have hope that the defense isn't quite as bad as maybe people are thinking. But honestly, if it is that bad, I wouldn't be surprised either. Yeah, no, I agree. It's going to be interesting. Like you said, there are some guys, Bazemore, Ariza among them, that still have the defensive, um, I want to say, I'm trying to find the right word, like not just reputation, but can still theoretically get down and play solid defense. It's just, I I guess I struggle to think about them guarding a lot of, you know, like, okay, you have more size maybe now than in years past for a Durant. Um, but now you're giving it up in age, <laughs> you know what I mean? Not yeah. that it's that big a super huge deal. It's not like Durant's like a spring chicken himself, but like there, there obviously is a difference there. Um, I mean, fortunately, Kawhi's not, or unfortunately, obviously, because of the injury, but Kawhi's not something the Lakers are really going to have to deal with, at least for the most part of the year. But you look at these wing threats that are on the NBA, you know, look at the Celtics with Tatum and, and Green. You, you can see some matchups kind of up and down that you're like, okay, the Lakers might have some issues with. At the same time, you do have probably better um, defensive capabilities now than, like, you know, let's say defending the Clippers with KCP and Alex Caruso, like years past. Yeah, and and so I, you know, the Lakers have three three more open roster spots, potentially four if Marcus All does not return to the team, mm-hmm. um, and I, I really think they're going to need to go after another wing or two. Um, you know, I, I uh, Jakar Sampson is a name that has been brought up uh, you know, in rumors, and there there are some guys, but I do think the team needs another wing defender just because, you know, if you're playing. If you're playing the the Nets and you need to guard Kevin Durant, it's LeBron James, it's Trevor Ariza, and it's Carmelo Anthony. And, like, that's it. And no offense to Carmelo Anthony, like, he was never that good defensively. And now that he's older, mm-hmm. he's a, a huge negative. So uh, I think you need you need another guy in there just to sort of act as a defensive stopper, even if they don't have offensive tools. Like, they just – they need something. Yeah, and I guess Jakar Sampson would fit that bill because offensively, yikes, you know, having a 6'7 guy who, like, plays more like a role man, doesn't have any shooting, 
I mean, doesn't I wouldn't say has the gravity of a guy who played a similar position but better last year in Montrezl Harrell. Um, but you do have yeah. a guy there that I guess, like you said, defensively could at least have some hope there, right? Uh, I guess that leads to another question I had. Um, you do have, you know, the Lakers have been trying out um, different players for the last couple of roster spots. You've had guards like Isaiah Thomas, um, maybe Darren Collins coming out of retirement, um, looking for a wing guy. You mentioned Jakar Sampson. Who, uh, Paul Millsap's still around there as well. But who do you think or, or who do you like for those last couple of spots for the Lakers? Yeah, I mean, if we're talking pure defensively, I, I do like Jakar Sampson. I know names like Isaiah Thomas have been floated around and names like Mike James and these are okay. I'm not sure how much they need another guard. And if they're going to get another guard, I'd almost rather it be a, just a locker room guy, like, which is crazy. To, I'm going to say a name that's crazy to uh, think of a locker room guy. Okay. Uh, but like if, if Rajon Rondo gets bought out by Memphis, like he fits well in the locker room. I don't want him to play ever, mm-hmm. but he, he would be a good fit in the locker room just because he has that chemistry with LeBron and with Anthony Davis. So I like him. Um, you know, if if Kevin Love were to get a buyout from Cleveland, if he still has any motor left in him, and I don't know if he does, but I think he'd be a really interesting fit, especially if Marcus Hall is not returning. Um, so there there are a few good names out there. It's really hard because you know the wing the wing that I wanted most was Andre Iguodala, and he obviously went yeah. back to the Warriors, which good for him. Congratulations to him. But mm-hmm. he would have been he would have been the ideal guy where I'm like, cool, they have Iguodala. Like, it doesn't even matter what the rest of the, the last two spots look like. Let's let's get it and run it now. No, 100%. You're right. Like, it's just a matter of, okay, filling in. Like, you are thinking maybe more of a guy who does some more behind the scenes than someone who has, like, the value on the court. Yeah. Like, having something, of course, but uh, maybe not Jared Dudley. Yeah. The thing is, yeah, I'm probably looking at, like, one more guy that can make a serious defensive impact on the court. And then I'm looking for off the court teammates, guys that that really just enhance a locker room and can give a little bit if, you know, injuries happen or rest nights happen here and there. Just guys that can give a little bit, you know, that's that's Rondo. That's that's uh, Kevin Love. Like it's uh, it's more of those guys. But I'm probably looking for one more serious wing. I get you on that. I would agree. That would be nice just to have some more size. Something the Lakers have really struggled to have, like, in terms of decent wing players over the last couple of years. And, of course, I'm saying that with a team that has, of course, LeBron. But, I mean, let's be real. His stage of his career, I think he's more of, been, more of a four. Like, a playmaking four. Like, a, like a late 90s, like Magic Johnson, I guess, from, like, the games I've watched, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, true. Oh, no. Yeah, and he also, LeBron, like, he's a, he's a good defender when he feels like it. And he only feels like it in April, April, May, and June. (laughs) That's true. You need someone to play defense from October to April. So I, you know, I don't really want LeBron doing that because then he's going to be, he's going to be gassed when the playoffs come. Exactly. And you put him in more positions where he could get injured and we really don't want that to be a thing either. So definitely with you on that. Um, which guys do you think are going to step up or have the chance of really having a big year, um, not named, of course, LeBron and AD for the Lakers this season. Yeah, I think um, I think one of the like lowest risk, high reward signings is actually Malik Monk. I, I see. I like it. I see him if if he can maintain forty percent from three, which is not his career norm. His career norm is like thirty two percent. So if he can sustain forty percent, and and he showed a little bit more defensively in the latter half of this past season than he ever had in his career. 
Um, if he can show something defensively and keep that for around 40%, even if it's like 37, 38, if he can stay around there, um, I think he has a chance to be like a, a home run signing for the Lakers at a veteran minimum. I think he can provide youth. He can provide shooting. He can provide some creation. He he has the ability to be a really interesting and impactful player for this team. Obviously, the reason he's on a minimum is because there are issues, but he has the, yeah. the potential to like break through that better than anyone else. Oh, I 100% agree with you. That's my guy as well. Like you said, on-ball creation, you know, being able to do a little bit out of the pick and roll, being able to not need a whole lot of space for his shooting. Uh, the shooting obviously being a big thing, but um, if he can kind of stay around that 40% mark, I mean, the Lakers would be in a very good spot. And there's a lot more studio space to work with in terms of maybe growing out his offensive game. Being a guy who can carry the Lakers for certain day, for certain games, you know, where you have a third guy for LeBron and AD and they don't have as much pressure. And someone who isn't you know, he's one of the few, I'd say, outside of, again, LeBron, AD, um, you can put Kendrick Nunn and Westbrook in that in that place as well, that can kind of create their own offense, that aren't wholly dependent on their offense being manufactured for them. Yeah, the, the Lakers, clearly, that was a big emphasis for them, right? Like, getting guys that can take pressure off of LeBron James offensively, because if, if not, by April or May, you're going to see him run out of gas, because he's not 28 anymore. Mm. So... He can still give you that, you know, best player in the league type of play, but he can't do that for nine months straight anymore. So, you know, getting a lot of creation the way they've done, I, I really do like it. And it's why I understand why they're, you know, working out point guards. But at, at, at the end of the day, I, I think they already have enough of that on the roster. I think they have enough shot creation as is. It's now more about just filling out the margins. There you go. Working in the balance there. And speaking of someone who I think is in the margins, um, and has been since he signed with the Lakers last year in a weird way. What is your take on the whole Marcus Saul situation? Because, you know, there's rumors now that he might not be guaranteed to return to Lakers. The fit last year was kind of wonky, full of tension, which was weird because I love what Gasol brings to the table in theory. Um, and it's not like he didn't do kind of what he was expected to do for a 36-year-old, you know, playing the way he was in terms of being able to bring in some passing, you know, being able to have the offense kind of run through him, being able to space the floor a little bit, even though he's kind of a reluctant shooter, but an effective one when he does. But it just seemed to be such a weird year. You know, he was being kind of benched on certain lineups, and he had it. Then he was starting again. Then Drummond comes in, basically his promise his role. And then you still need to bring Gasol off later on when Drummond's still, you know, injured and then later on struggling. And Gasol played well. He was one of the few guys in the playoffs, I think, aside from LeBron James, to shoot, like, better than average from three over that six-game series. And yet here he is now, kind of on the outside looking in, even though he is on the inside. It's a weird deal. Uh, what is your take on that whole situation? Because... I'm kind of shocked, um, and I also really like Gasol and think that his skill set would be a, a great one here for this team. Yeah, I, I really don't understand the the Gasol hate. I didn't get it last year during the season, and I don't get it now. I don't get why. It feels like the Lakers almost like regret signing him based on all the based on all the rumors and all. All of these things that all these little pieces of information that come out that say, hey, look, the Lakers, you know, Marcus all's not a lock to return. You know, Marcus all they, they don't really like him in this role. Like it, it almost makes it feel like they regret signing him, which makes no sense to me, especially with Russell Westbrook on the team. Having a big man who can provide some level of rim protection and then on offense can provide spacing and playmaking from the top of the key. Like, I, you know, you don't you don't get guys like that very often. And I think. 
it makes perfect sense for him to be around on this team. And I, I honestly, if it's up to me, he starts alongside Anthony Davis and gets probably 10 to 15 minutes a night. Like, I think that's his ideal role. And I don't see why he wouldn't be able to do that. But it it really feels like there's just something about him or something about his relationship with the Lakers that makes it feel like it's just not going to happen. Yeah, and it's so weird. I'm with you. That's exactly how I would do it. You limit AD. AD's going to play more of the five, yes, but he's not going to play five full-time. Between Dwight Howard and Marcus Gasol, there's enough minutes to go around, you know, to, to platoon those guys. I mean, Mark, I mean, Dwight Howard is still uh, Adonis-looking, but he's also 36 and has had, you know, some back injuries over the last couple of years, uh, notwithstanding the past two. So it's not like those guys are just, you know, rock-solid guys there. You give them each a little bit of playing time. You get AD swinging between the four and the five. I think it works perfectly, but I, I agree with you. It's almost as if they regret that. And for the life of me, I can't understand why, because you're getting playmaking at a different position. You're getting a totally different look at center, uh, especially with that floor space ability, especially alongside Russell Westbrook, someone who, like you said, you know, um, can bring a different look and as another vet. I, I just I, I don't get it. I, I hope he does come back. Um, I guess my one question for you in in the wake of, Let's say he doesn't. Do the Lakers rebound to add another big, or do they continue with their wing and guard process and maybe just slide one of their existing wings up a position and just force AD to play more five while relying more on Dwight? Yeah, I mean, if if they're if if all the rumors about Marcus all are true and they really just don't, it doesn't seem like a fit. Then it's going to be a lot more AD at the five, and maybe that means you know I I mentioned Kevin Love. Maybe that's something that happens, and maybe. Cleveland grants him his buyout and he comes and he works as a small ball five or a four to AD's five. Like there there's ways that that it works without Gasol. Um, To me, it just it makes a a ton more sense to keep him around and have him play a role. Uh, But if if that's not what the Lakers want to do, then that's not what they're going to do. So I I don't really know. It's so hard to judge at this point. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. I'm with you. I just hope that it all gets resolved in a way that's Beneficial not only for Gasol and his career, he's had a great run um, with the L.A. pit stop, you know, hopefully ending on a sweeter note than it is right now. But for the Lakers as well, I like Gasol, so I guess it's a personal favorite too. And just to have the Gasol-Gasol connection, I'm sure us Laker history guys are all on that, you know? <laughs> yeah, gotta have gotta have both Gasols be a part of, an, an integral part of this Lakers franchise and having won a championship. And I think Marc Gasol can be an integral part of a championship team. He just did it in 2019. Yep. I think it makes perfect sense. And I, yeah, I really, if they move off of him, I I would really hope they have a plan that makes more sense. Cause I I don't, I don't see why they would move off of him at this point. Yeah, it doesn't. You're right. This is a no brainer in this, in this decision makes the right move and just keep Gasol. But um, as we wrap up here, I just got to ask moving forward with LA, how do you feel about them having revamped the roster as they have with the Western conference being in such flux as it is, um, what's their outlook next year? I mean, you do have, you know, the Clippers, or I, I would say are certainly not exact. They're contending, but like in name only with the loss of Kawhi, you know, the Jazz are returning, but they still kind of have whatever issues they had. Um, the Suns are going to be there again. You know, if you're looking for improvement um, from Dallas, teams like that, I, I, where do you see the Lakers kind of slotting in alongside uh, everyone else in a very weird Western Conference this year? Yeah, I mean, the way I see it right now, I, I do think that the Lakers are kind of in a tier on their own. And and that's that's only because of the injury to Kawhi. I think the Clippers would be right up there with them if if Kawhi was healthy. Uh, I You know, no disrespect to the Suns. They did just get to the finals. I don't want to take that away from them. But 
Chris Paul's another year older, and and I don't know how much of their success from last year is sustainable uh, with other teams getting healthy and, and making moves in the offseason like they did. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with that. I, I think the Suns, the Jazz, the Nuggets, depending on Jamal Murray's health, if he comes back healthy, yeah. I actually think they're closer to the Lakers tier. Um, okay. But then I have the Suns, the Jazz, the Nuggets, the Mavericks, um trying to think if I'm forgetting anybody but that I think they're kind of all in that second tier um with the Clippers because no Kawhi so that that's kind of where I look at it right now but it Mm -hmm. it it can it can change so much as as health goes as players develop as certain things happen throughout the season that's just where I look at it right now no I agree I was intrigued by your outlook just someone who's kind of more plugged in on where the West is because in my opinion I agree I think maybe not like a whole – I got to see a few games first before I'm like willing to put them on a whole different tier because just as dynamic a player as Westbrook is, not that he's a volatile player, but like the the fit might be volatile if it, if it isn't working. You know what I mean? Um, If there's a lot more of a, um, a learning curve to that squad. Uh, and then injuries, of course, is something I'm concerned about as well. But looking at the rest of the West, I consider the Jazz and the Suns winners of uh, like a war of attrition throughout the regular season. Um, yeah. So the fact they were one and two, like in my mind, they were always like four and five or in that spam. Dallas was in that group as well. Denver, I always had, I can't believe I forgot to mention them when we first brought this up. But again, I think Jamal Murray, not only being injured, but how long he'll be out as well will be a big key for them. And so like if he is healthy, then yes. But for the most part, until then, I'm not having them that high. And then you're right, like the Clippers with Kawhi, they're right there without. They're another team. They're, they're good, uh, but they're not on that level yet. So yeah, I, I'm with you on all counts there. I think the Lakers are kind of in the driver's seat in terms of having an advantage, but I mean, it's it's not a long shot advantage like it was probably last year, we'd say. Yeah, yeah. I think this is going to be a really interesting Western Conference for sure because there's so much, so much changing with, with health and with, you know, renewed teams like the Lakers just retooling in, in a very exciting way. I, I think it's going to be really interesting. I do. I, I want to credit the Suns. I don't want to be like a Suns hater. I do think they still have a chance. Of course, uh, they can still make another run and get to the finals. They could be the best team in the West. It's just hard because, like you said, them getting to the finals felt more like winning the war of attrition than it was being the best team. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, as a as a person living in Arizona right now, I got to say, like, don't get me wrong. Definitely a talented team. The way Chris Paul and 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 came in and made immediate impact the way Devin Booker, Mikel Bridges, and DeAndre Ayton improved. Cameron Payne had a great year. Like, the Suns played well, yes. But like you said, I mean, other teams are hit hard by injuries. And I'm not even putting the Suns there as much as, I mean, the Suns and the Jazz. I think the Jazz luck kind of ran out in the playoffs, and the Suns kept playing strong. Um, But the entire year, if you look at those two teams, number one and number two in a team that has the Lakers and Clippers that, you know, were projected to be healthier and just weren't. Like, that is a factor. I, I don't think, you know, we, we, we can be honest without hating, and I think we're doing a good job of doing that here. But, I mean, do we really think that they're going to have another great year like that in terms of health next year? I, you can't bank on that. And if not, all things being equal, then, you know, there's a chance, but it's, it's definitely not like a lot. Like, you don't look at them and go, okay, you know what? The Suns will definitely be back in the finals next year, you know? Yeah, I mean, look, the the Lakers were up 2-1 and in a close game at halftime when Anthony Davis went down. Like, it, yes. it, it's no disrespect, but if Anthony Davis doesn't, you know, strain his groin on that on that play in game four, you know, who's to say the Suns make it out of the first round? I, I don't know. Maybe they yeah, still do. Yeah. But 
there's no guarantees. And so if you're looking at a team that you can't even guarantee would have made it out of the first round if everyone was healthy, it's hard to say, yes, they're a finals team once again. Exactly. Exactly. It feels very uh, 2011 Dallas Mavericks to me. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's, it's exactly right. <laughs> I feel that, man. Well, I have to tell you, thank you, Ron, for coming on and talking Lakers with me. This is fun. Uh, I could do this on for another 30, 40 minutes, but do have to ask one last question before we wrap up officially. Uh, all my first time guests have to do with the tradition I started about a week and a half ago. Um, but basically, <laughs> um, I like, and it's actually born from SBC because there was so many interesting conversations that I had that were started up by asking this. And that is like, what are your top five favorite players and like it's not of course lebron jordan kobe unless of course those are also your favorite players so it's not about like the best but just your top five guys you love to watch that would just be on your team regardless of position those five represent your basketball experience um i call it the all vibes squad the all hoop vibe squad but like mine you have russell westbrook tay rogier uh, Monte Ellis, Monte have it all, of course, Latrell Sprewell, and Michael Beasley. Those guys get buckets. Those guys are cool. You know, they, they had their moments. Uh, you know, you didn't have a lot of long-term basketball success with the exception of, of Westbrook, apparently. But, like, those guys are fun guys, and they represent the kind of basketball I enjoy watching, and they're my faves for that. So, Ron, what are your top fives on your Hoop Vibe squad? Yeah, it's – I'm I'm going to come off with a, bit of a, with a bit of old head syndrome here, but – okay. Uh, I really like, look, I love flash. I love flash, but, and, and you'll see on my list, it's like, my guys are like flashy fundamentals where it's like, everything is right. Except for one player who's purely fundamentals. Um, it's guys who play the game the right way while adding that little bit of flair the way, like only they could. So I, I got, I got the, you know, the 1998 Lakers backcourt Van Exel Kobe, uh, And Van Exel, I, I, he's he's a very popular pick among Lakers fans. I had a jersey of his growing up. Like I I, I watched a lot of those those highlights, and I watched a lot of those games. He's he is uh, he's a ton of fun to watch. And him and Kobe were a great great duo back there in the '90s. Um, so I'm starting with them, um, and then I'm going Tim Duncan, big fundamental. The uh, he was he was my favorite non-Laker growing up. Like as as I watched the entire 2000s era of basketball, like he was the guy I would turn to when the Lakers weren't playing. I'd be like, yes, I just love everything about this dude's game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then blast from the past. Uh, this is purely off highlights. Uh, James Worthy. Oh, I yeah. Love James Worthy. Um, and then my final one. This is more out of left field. I'm going with my favorite non Laker currently. And it's so off brand because he's a Celtic and it's Jason Tatum. OK, um, OK. Uh, I love everything about Jason Tatum's game. And like when, you know, you know how the the big thing about Lakers fans is they think that everyone's going to be a future Laker. If there's one player, I, I would give up anything for him to come to the Lakers. It'd be Jason Tatum. I, I got to say, man, I was really hoping the Lakers were going to target him in 2017. I, I understood the Lonzo buzz, you know, I understood the hype around it. I still like Lonzo, you know, like, but even at that time, I was just like, that Jason Tatum guy looks really, really good. And that always yeah. bugs me because, like, just the perfect wing. I mean, I love I lo- the way it went. The-, the process to get to where the Lakers won the championship in 2020 was great. Like, 100%, you know, wouldn't change it for the world. But if I were to change it, <laughs> yeah, Jason Tatum, I mean, even now, I'll go to old school 2Ks once in a while when I can bear the game. And I'll do it the way I would have done it and select him and just see what would have happened. Yeah. and. and- Honestly, we we you mentioned Lonzo Ball. Like I love Lonzo Ball. Yes. He was 
I was between him and Van Exel for my for that for that like guard slot like that. I love Lonzo Ball. I picked Van Exel because I wanted to stay a little more. Uh, I wanted to mix up the eras a little bit better. Yeah, spice uh, it up. But Lonzo Ball's like right there because I love everything about his game. But Jason Tatum, yeah, he he's the better player and he's the guy that I'm like. I don't care if it takes five years. I don't care if it takes ten years. I don't care what it takes. Make sure that this man is a Laker before he retires. And honestly, like Jason Tatum seems like he kind of wants that too, because man, man talks about the Lakers and Kobe Bryant more than any Celtic ever should. <laughs> Listen, do not give me hope. <laughs> do not and give I'm me hope. Doing it to myself too. That's the problem. <laughs> there it is, man. I know it feeds it because that would be amazing man like he's he's totally my guy and again this is from someone who loves uh alonzo ball and what he did he's just such a really cool guy but ron thank you man for coming on gracing me with your presence in terms of talking lakers talking just our top five vibe squad a lot of fun um we're definitely gonna have to have you back on again uh please for sure i just want to share with folks where they can find you your work and uh when i can get you back on here again <laughs> Yeah, of course. Yeah, I'd love love to come back. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and you you got my Twitter earlier at Ron Gutterman twenty four, uh, and then I write for Lakers Nation. I do video work on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, uh, and then I also uh, for those who like baseball as well as basketball, I'm a editor for AngelsNation.com. So if you oh, wow. want some Angels content, uh, check that out too. I do that. So yeah, that that's where you can find all my work and find everything about me. There it is, man. You heard the guy. Check it out on Twitter at RonGunman24. Baseball and basketball. The dude's a, a dual threat out here, yo. And listen, man, thank you again for coming on. I appreciate that. Yeah, of course, man. Anytime. Oh, for sure. Definitely. We're going to make that happen. I'm going to hold you to it. <laughs> for sure. For sure. <laughs> but, awesome, man. But definitely make sure to find me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. HoopBall on Twitter. Our HoopBall tweets online. Hoop dash ball.com enjoy the start of your week y'all for ron for myself we are frosty y'all stay frosty and i'll talk to y'all tomorrow <laughs> all right y'all this has been a hoop ball presentation